Hello and welcome to the Beyond the Hustle podcast. My name is Lydia Wilmsen and I'm a mindset and business coach for high-achieving entrepreneurs. In this podcast, I share insights into how you can create a life of freedom, happiness and personal fulfillment while increasing financial success way beyond what you have achieved with hustle alone so far. Plus, every other week I interview inspiring and out-of-the-box thinking entrepreneurs. Have fun and enjoy! I'm super excited. Today I have an interview with a lovely woman with Elisabeth Williger to Fixes. It is so funny. We met on Cyprus and we got to talk. She's actually um, originally from Switzerland and has been a travel guide, has traveled the world and then met her husband on Cyprus and is now based on Cyprus. She's an NLP practitioner, a coach and a hypnotherapist. And today I would just love to hear about you being a motivational speaker, about your experiences, obviously as a travel guide and just as a very inspirational woman. So welcome to the podcast today. And, and, you know, it proves once more that, first of all, the world is such a very small place and there is no coincidence ever. Yeah, because we met on the tiny island of um, Cyprus. As you know, my parents live in Switzerland, or probably not all of you know, but my parents live in Switzerland. Now I meet um, her here. And also we both share the service of Lorian, who does everything around the podcast, the whole cutting, all of that. So how tiny is the world that we meet here on Cyprus? Also just I, when we did like this little sea kayaking tour. So that was so Exactly. Funny. I know at the end of this kayak tour, we exchanged social media. And then I said to Lydia, how do you know Florian? <laughs> and then she said, he's my podcast producer. So yeah, it's it's wonderful. Anyway, thank you so much for having me here today. Yeah. And my first question today would be just a little bit more information, background on you, where you come from, what you do, what your mission is. So I was born in a very small village in Switzerland and I had a bit of a tough start because my mother was 16 when she gave birth to me. She wanted to give me up for adoption and my grandfather was a good man. He took me home. So I grew up with my grandparents. They were old. My uh, grandfather died when I was 10. So I was kind of alone and I was bullied at school, you know, small Catholic village in Switzerland. And I was bullied for something that wasn't my fault. It wasn't my fault that I didn't have any parents. And I was even bullied by a teacher. And I sometimes think, you know, if this happened today, that guy would be in jail. But of course, so many years ago, things were different. But you see, the thing about me is that I was very feisty. I knew what I wanted. I, I was planning my escape. I wanted to get away from that village. So I started working when I was 13. Wow. And um, the money that I, I made was for my language lessons because I wanted to leave. I wanted to see the world and I wanted to become a tour guide. I'm very stubborn as well. I'm a Capricorn. So I always get what I want, even if it takes 20 years, but it didn't take that long. I did a business school for three years because I needed to finish an education. And then I became a tour guide for 11 years and had the time of my life for these 11 years. Um, traveled all over the world, worked all over the world, met a lot of very cool people, kissed a lot of frogs, as you say, you know, <laughs> But 
during that time, met my husband, which brought me then at the end of these 11 years, I went back to Switzerland for a while, brought me to Cyprus. And um, I had got married then. Actually, I I, I got pregnant before I got married. (laughs) As it happens. It happens, you know. So I, um, I brought up my kids here. They are both in Switzerland now. They're both grown up, 24 and 25 and a half. And when I was done with uh, bringing up kids and being a tour guide, I felt like I had so much people's experience. When you are a tour guide, people trust you. They tell you all their stories. And you're this neutral person who listens to them. And this person, you don't know their the people that they have problems with. So they unload. So um, I knew that I had the knowledge, but I needed tools. So I trained as a tour guide. I went to Dubai. I trained with a very good uh, coaching institute, which is called the Robert Simic Coaching Institute. And I actually became a master hypnotherapist, master NLP practitioner, and started working as a coach and then wrote my book. During that time, the same time, I also worked as a conference interpreter. I worked for the Cypriot police for 15 years and traveled with them. And while I was traveling, I was used to be bored on planes or in airports. I wrote this book because I had all this knowledge and I wanted to get it out. And that's how the Soul Kid was born. The Soul Kid was born on planes and in airport uh, lounges. Yeah, and this is how it all happens. Then I wanted to do more speaking. I found the Global Woman Club again by chance, or as we know, and you know, when you know what you're looking for, the the opportunity appears and then you take the opportunity. I found the Global Woman Club and I became the Global Woman Director in Cyprus. And then I also took over New York. And here we are. This is more or less my uh, my, uh, life in a nutshell. In in like some sentences. Yeah. And it's so inspiring. And obviously I would love to talk for hours with you and get like all your stories but um, I will also put um, the link to your podcast where you share lots of travel stories into the show notes so that people can obviously hear all the stories, but some of them I would like to hear today. So perhaps uh, the next question would be around, yeah, what you already touched a little bit on, what you're looking for, then the, the opportunity shows up. When did you become aware of that? Because many people, they have challenges, you know, it's always about the challenge and things don't work out. And just a few people manage to get to the other side and say, hey, life presents opportunities. So share a little bit more about that, please. Well, I had a very interesting experience because, you know, I was telling you before, I was, I had planned my escape. I went abroad. I um, left that village that I didn't like and the people that I didn't like. But you see, the problem is that I had very low self-esteem, even though I didn't show it. I never showed it. I was this long-legged blonde, you know, who pretended to be on top of the world, but I wasn't, I was, I had low self-esteem and I was, um, when you leave, you still take your problems with you. By changing a place, you don't change your personality or the way you feel. But when I was 29 and I was working in Florida, you always used to take my clients to a shopping mall and I used to walk around. They had time to eat. And I went to a bookshop and I picked up this book, The Power of Your Subconscious Mind by Dr. Joseph Murphy. And I went to my hotel, dropped off my clients, went to my room, and I started reading this book. And I couldn't stop reading because we're talking about 1989. People were not talking about personal development so much. And I didn't know that I had a subconscious mind. So that was a real eye opener. And funny enough, about two months later, I don't know, three months later, I was in LA between two trips. 
waiting for the next tour group to arrive. I had time. I was bored walking around the hotel in one of those crappy holiday inns somewhere in Long Beach. And I didn't want to go sightseeing because that was my job. And I was looking what's happening in the ballrooms, you know, what conferences are on. And I saw this sign saying public speaking seminar. And I thought, yeah, that's what I do. I'm a public speaker as a tour guide. So I walked into this room and I I still don't know up until today if I actually paid for this seminar. And guess who the person who presented the the seminar was? It was Tony Robbins. And uh, he was a freak. I mean, Tony Robbins and I are the same age. He was 29. And it was the beginning. He had just written Unlimited Power. I bought his book. And, you know, I sometimes think I would have loved to have a selfie with Tony Robbins. But in 1989, we had no cell phones. This was it. This was my eye opener. And this is when I realized that when you set goals, because then you know what you want, there's a place in your in your brain called the reticular activating system that filters out what you are interested in and you find the opportunities and then you have to grab them. Because one of the problem with opportunities is that many people don't, they see them, they may even notice them, some don't notice them, but they don't take them. Yeah. So what would you think like back going back to where you where you grew up and how you grew up because again then you already decided I'm basically I'm a survivor I'm going to get out there why why would you say because so many people are stay victims to how they were brought up and all of that is it perhaps some genes you had or why do you think that happened that you were a person who got out I don't know that I really don't know. I, I was just a fighter and I still am. And, you know, even though I have worked through all those uh, low self-esteem things and deep down there are still times, you know, this, 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 some of those things, they stay with you. I still feel left out. But then, of course, I, I correct myself and I say, hey, you know, stop it because <laughs> you're, you're fine. You know, you're very included in many places. But I think, you see, I think life is just a constant development journey. It's a journey. And that's why I call my podcast Most Memorable Journeys, because even though I'm talking about traveling, I don't only want to talk about traveling. I want to talk about the journey of life because it's a journey. And I think it's so important to enjoy the, the journey without being so focused on the destination because you, know, you may end up somewhere else anyway. Yeah, that's so to, to, I can't answer your question. I don't know. I was just a feisty little thing, you know. I didn't. I, just, <laughs> I, I wasn't going to. And to, to to be honest, these people who bullied me, you know, the, what I was saying before, I'm so grateful for them because they gave me the fuel to go and and uh, do what I did. And I was there was an article about me in a newspaper in in Switzerland two summers ago. It's like a local newspaper, and and uh, you know talking about me and what I did. And because I had then I had just become the global woman director of the year, and I thought there you are, you know, because I thought when I left, I'll show you, you know. So yeah, but I, I really don't know. I think it's partly genes, but it's a lot of willpower because the mind is a muscle. You have to work on it all the time. So true. So true. Okay. You were a travel guide, but you still worked for the Swiss company there. When did you shift then into becoming an entrepreneur basically? And that was after the kids or how was, how was that shift? I had another uh, business between um, being becoming an under- a coach. I I had two shops here in Cyprus. I imported wooden toys from Germany 
the, you know, good quality wooden toys. When I, when my kids were small, I couldn't do anything or I didn't want to do anything related to travel because I wanted to be here, which was tough because I was 35 when I had my first child. So it wasn't so easy to suddenly be stuck, but um, it was worth it. I would do it again because it was, it's nice to see your kids grow up. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I needed to do something because I had always been working. So staying at home wasn't an option. So I started, I opened these shops and I uh, started importing these toys, but I hadn't studied the market properly because the Cypriots don't really like wooden toys. They like plastic, you know, big boxes mm. and colors. So I had, a, I had some good clients and um, I sort of went through, you know, like five years, four or five years never made any money, always kind of survived. I never paid myself a salary. And then I realized, you know, this is beginning to look like occupational therapy. So <laughs> I love that. closed the one shop. And it was also at the time when the police had started uh, asking me to go on trips. So I actually managed to sell my other shop. One I closed, the one in Limassol I closed, but I, I sold the shop in Nicosia for exactly the amount of money that I owed the bank. So isn't that I, funny? Isn't that an amazing coincidence again? <sighs> okay, it's close. And I was very, I was very relieved. However, you know, sometimes it it would probably would have been worth waiting a little longer because that was before all the Russians were here. It was at the beginning of the, well, it was 1999 to 2004. And that's when they started coming and the Russians love this stuff. Mm. But anyway, you know, yeah. live and learn. Live and learn, and you you started many other amazing things, and um, because you like oh gosh, I could go into any direction, but I because you touched on it, and um, with having sold your company for the exact amount that you um, you you owe to the bank, um, a little bit around money mindset. You obviously um, yeah had to build yourself from the ground up, and now you are a successful entrepreneur. What was your road to? To money. Okay, you come from Switzerland, so it's a country of money, but still like share some thoughts on money and entrepreneurship and money mindset. Yeah, all Swiss are rich. You know, <laughs> yeah, yeah, of course. All of them. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I was born very, very poor. My father never recognized me, and but but he was like taken to court to pay um what do you call it? You don't call it maintenance, whatever. It's support, mm-hmm. child support. He never paid, and it was it was a struggle. And And I, I could see from a very young age how horrible it is when you have no money. And I thought that's never going to happen to me. That's why I started working. I, when I was 13, I went to a ski lodge in the winter and I cleared tables. You know, in these self-service restaurants, people leave the stuff on the table. I was clearing tables. And in the summer, I went to a hotel and I cleaned rooms. And then I just always worked. And I also learned that it's important to put some money on the side. When I started working with uh, the, this, my tour company at the time, the, at the first one was Air Tour Swiss, our salary wasn't big, mm. but we had a meal allowance. Our apartment was paid and we had some uh, um, commission on the excursions. So if we were a little careful, we could save the salary in Switzerland. And when I was 25, After I had worked a few summers and winters continuously, I suddenly had 35,000 francs saved on my bank account in Switzerland. And that was sort of the beginning. I thought, yeah, because you see, money is, people say money is 
bad people, you know, rich people are horrible. I love money. I I love money because money gives you freedom. Mm. Money gives you the opportunity to help somebody. That's one thing. Money gives you the, the opportunity to outsource stuff. Money gives you the opportunity to do nice things. And in my case, it's traveling, you know, it's, and I, one of my hopes for my podcast, because our podcasts cost money, but they are worth it. But I'm hoping, for example, that because of my podcast, I may, I may get upgraded in business class, you know, things like that. So money is important and money is good. And of course, it always depends what you use it for. You know, if you're the, in the Russian mafia, that's a different story. But in, in our everyday life, and especially also when you see when you have children, there is nothing worse than being able to tell your children, you cannot do this because we don't have any money. You should never say that anyway, because that's a very bad um, conditioning for them in the mm. future. But um, of course, I'm not saying that you have to give your children anything they want. Um, that, that's a different story. But to give your, to be able to give your kids a good education is a lot of um, freedom. And money is freedom for me. And it's good to be careful not to be stingy. You know, there's nothing worse, again, than people who are stingy. To be generous with yourself and with other people, but to save always a little bit, steadily. I love that you said to be, uh, not compassionate, but, you know, be be good to yourself and others. Because also so many people just extend this, uh, be generous, you said be generous, extend this graciously to others, but not to themselves. So I love that you bring both in, into it. And I fully, like, I can fully sign all the points you made of um, putting money on the side or whatever people do, invested, and see, like, see it positively, you know, like how much freedom it gives and how much you can impact other people with that. And what would you see, because you obviously work with a lot of people as well on different topics, when it is around money, what, what have you come across being some of the most limiting beliefs in people around money? There are people who, first of all, many people spend money on the wrong things. You know, we don't have to have everything. And I think especially this situation with COVID has taught us that we can live with very little. And there is a say, what is it? We buy things with money that we don't have to impress people that we don't like. Ah, uh, yeah, yeah. So, I mean, what's the point? You know, like, and this is the worst that we can do anyway, compare ourselves to other people. We don't have to have the same car like other people. It's nice to have a nice car. Me personally, I absolutely don't care what car I have. Whereas my husband, for him, cars is like a, the most important thing. So I think it's important to understand where to spend your money. Invest in yourself. You know, learn, depending on what you will do in your life, If maybe learn another language that will help you get a promotion in your job or um, have a coach, like, like somebody who can open up your money blockages. Because many times our mind is blocked with things that happened in our childhood. You know very well, as because you're also trained in this, you know, we get conditioned in the first six, seven years of our lives and whatever is in our stored in our subconscious mind that we have heard from our parents or from our um, the people who brought us up is there. And sometimes that doesn't help us at all. That blocks us from getting where we want. And, and of course, also the biggest worst feeling that you can have continuously is fear. Because fear is really a dream killer. Fear is the place where our dreams die, you know, it's, and, and 
when I say invest in yourself, do something different, you know, leave the comfort zone. Because again, the comfort zone is the place where our dreams die. That's just where we are, you know, where nothing ever happens. So um, what I notice with people very often is that they have the wrong mind about money. They don't think that money is good, you know, and also be generous again in your mind. Be happy for people who have money and ask them, how did you do it? Instead of being uh, jealous or envious and watching people do all this fun stuff, ask them because people who are successful love to share. Nobody's ever going to say, no, you know, I don't want to talk about it. And I don't want to talk about myself. People love to talk about themselves. Exactly. Why do you think I'm talking to you? <laughs> There you go. <sighs> the childhood stuff, definitely. And also like the remark you met in the beginning. Um, yeah. Watch what you tell your kids. If you constantly tell your kids or other people around you with that, you also tell it to yourself and all the people around you. I don't have money. I don't want to spend it. It's too much. This is, yeah, you are doing subconscious programming on, on your kids and on yourself day in, day out. So this is where yeah. you really can start. Yeah. And you mentioned fear. Many people living in fear and that being the silent dream killer, so to say. And I would love to hear a little bit more from your travels. And obviously that's like, at least from my experience, a constant, ex not extension, but like, growing of, of your comfort zone, like you're stepping out of your comfort zone constantly when you're traveling, at least in my eyes. So share what have been some challenges um, when you come, when you think about your travel, your travels experiences and how did you overcome them? Perhaps two or three big things. We talked about this. You have been traveling in a time when we didn't have smartphones, just phones where you had, put the, had to put the coins in and write letters and stuff. Like you started traveling in a very different time. So Share a little bit about the the challenges and, and how you overcame them or how they helped you grow. Well, some of them I didn't overcome, but that's okay. <laughs> that's okay too. <laughs> no, you know, it, as you say, it was so different. It was so different. When I, I, I got my first job as a tour guide in Rhodes in Greece, and I was too young to work for a Swiss tour operator. I was, and as, as I said before, I was stubborn. I just wanted to go. So I found this local agent and um, it was it was a horrible experience really because he was, a, we were so underpaid. And we worked. I, I didn't even know what I had signed up for. I had spoken to this guy on the phone and I traveled with two suitcases to Greece. We shared an apartment with three other people, three other uh, tour guides. And I used to go to the airport at uh, six o'clock in the morning. And then I did the evening excursion until two, one or two in the morning. Just worked six, seven days a week. That was the toughest, my toughest season. And I think that also taught me that being protected by a Swiss company because then my next year I was employed by a Swiss company and things were very different. You know, everything was organized at the place. I had a flat on my own. I had a car. No, the first season I didn't have a car. I had a moped, but you know, things are very different. I don't think anybody who is young today would do what I did because I didn't really have so many expectations and I didn't have any demands. I was just so glad that I got this job that I was more or less willing to accept nearly anything. I also, as I said, at that time, I still had very low self-esteem. I was just happy to be there. But when I look back, that was slave, that was the slave trading. So 
that season just formed me. And so many things happened during that time that taught me a lot of things. So it was a good experience. So I did not overcome anything. I just allowed it to happen and, and learned from it and never allowed it later on again. And of course, then there were other things like going to work in the Maldives. I remember that was my first long distance destination, my first long distance flight ever. And you know, it's so funny in your mind, on the way flying to the Maldives, I started getting homesick, even though I had been away for five years already, but I was just feeling that I'm so far away. I couldn't call my grandmother because, you know, this calls, when you hear each other talk, making phone calls was so expensive at the time. You know, after I had spent like $50 on a phone call where we hadn't spoken, I thought, no, I'm not going to, I'm not going to call again. I'm going to start writing letters. We had a company mail coming in every week from uh, on the charter plane. So um, I just received and sent letters at the time. And also the fun, another funny thing in the Maldives was um, we had a local agent. There was only one phone on the island where I lived. And that was the off in the office. And my agent had a telex. Maybe you know what a telex is, but many people don't. Young people don't know it. No, I don't know anymore. For a fact. It was a communication uh, machine. You were typing things and somebody else in the, on the other side of the world could read it. My local agent used to receive telexes from my company in Switzerland. And he used to call me on that one phone on the island and they would call me from snorkeling or sailing or somewhere. So I used to walk into this office in the Maldives, dripping with a towel around me, getting the phone call. And he would read me this telex and I didn't understand the word because he had such a bad accent that I actually had to then take a boat for an hour to go to Mali to listen, to, to read the telex that was sent. Um, now, I don't know if that answers your question because you were asking me to overcome things. I don't know. Look, grow with them. Not overcome, I but think grow. Exactly. I was just going to say, you grow, you grow and you learn and things that you allow at some point in your life, you would never allow later on because you've learned. And I think if you, that's very important to learn your lesson. And some people never do. They make the same mistakes over and over and over again, because a mistake is not a mistake as long as you don't give up or as long as you learn from it. Hmm. If you just continue doing it, then it becomes, then it's really silly. Hmm. So, so what else did, did help you grow through, through traveling? So we heard the Maldives story, of course, the difference when it comes to communication, the homesickness, just because I think it's a, there is a wealth of, of things to, to be taught from traveling. Is there some more you could share? Uh, traveling just showed me and still shows me up until today that the more you go and the further you go, you understand that we are all the same. We're all the same people. We all have the same needs. We want to be safe. We want to be happy. And um, I, I was just recently in Jordan. We were in Petra and walking up to this monastery and I was exhausted. So I, I sat down. I couldn't take it anymore. I sent my friends up and I expected them to come back. And there was this woman having this kiosk, you know, these hustlers who try to sell you souvenirs and bracelets and things. And she said to me, hey, lady, come and have a tea. And I thought, oh, no, I don't want to go. She's going to try and sell me things. But I did. I thought, why not? Why, why, why do you always have to think, you know, 
something negative. So I went and sat with this woman. She made me a tea on a fire because there was no electricity or anything. And we started talking and we started talking about our kids because she has kids who are also studying. We started talking about what she cooks because she loves to cook and she has an Instagram and she shows all her food. We started talking about her Airbnb, which she has in Betra. And we just started talking as women, two women with the same needs and the same, not exactly the same interests, but at the end, when you start talking to somebody that we are all the same and that traveling helps you become more tolerant. It helps you understand other religions, other cultures, because there are so many misunderstandings when it comes to especially religion. And I know where we are here in Cyprus, you know, we are surrounded by countries which have Islam and, and, and they are such beautiful people. But because of the whatever happened, I don't know, 9-11 and, and so on and so forth, people have a complete total misconception of, uh, of that religion. And I always say that if there was no politics and no religion, this place here where we are, Cyprus, Syria, Israel, um, Lebanon, Turkey, they're all the same people with this beautiful sense of hospitality, with this beautiful food. And they are all this, you know, it, it's, this, it's the same mentality, but it's it's politics and religion that separate us. And I don't mm. like it. No, I fully so agree. Travel, traveling opens your, it opens your mind and it makes you a more tolerant person. It makes you a much more beautiful person. I love that. And I agree wholeheartedly. You started sharing in the beginning that you started to work very early on, long hours. You built your life all by yourself, you know, like coming from a very very poor background, very, yeah, low, low background, so to say. And I obviously like the name of the podcast now um, is Beyond the Hustle. So it is obviously catered to people who are used to work a lot and now want to shift gear and find a way of impacting even more people, but without burning themselves out and like, you know, going crazy. Because this is the main mentality in the Western world, as we probably agree on. So You are still very, very active, as I can see, but you also mentioned words like surrender, you know, like sometimes it's not about pushing against. It really is about learning the lesson and things and moving on and probably also experiencing from, from traveling. Very often you cannot plan it and make it work. It's very much about flow and surrender. So what are your thoughts on this idea of beyond the hustle and not forcing everything and wanting to push to achieve Now, yeah, now that you're older and not in your teens and 20s anymore, where you work like crazy. Definitely beyond my teens and 20s. <laughs> um, look, I think that when you love what you do, it doesn't really matter how long you, you know, that, that then it's not a hustle. And um, I love what I do. I was just at, at this exhibition where we met that over the weekend. I mean, I, I could do a hundred other things on the weekend, but I love these things. I love connecting with people, talking to people, and of course, doing business. I, as I said, I love money. I love traveling business class and that costs. So, you know, but um, I think also you don't have to be everywhere. That's another thing that is important when you don't want to be I mean, to hustle so much. I think it's also choosing your choosing your battles, choosing what you want to do, understanding what is really important and understanding what is really important to you and not to other people or to the society. You know, that you, you choose what you want to do. You choose where you want to go. 
And just because every Tom, Dick and Harry goes there doesn't mean that you have to go there as well. And enjoying, really finding something that you love, because when you do what you love, it's not work. I don't really do Saturdays or Sundays. I you know sometimes I like we are speaking here on a Monday morning and I'm still in my pajamas. So <laughs> <laughs> because we don't you do a video I, interview. <laughs> thank God. <laughs> so, you know, so um it's it's about loving, it's really, really about about the loving what you do and choosing well and doing it, you know, taking action because Setting goals and um, sitting on the sofa and waiting for something to happen is not working. It's uh, it's having a dream, breaking it down in goals, taking action, deciding what can I do right now to to get a little bit closer to that goal. And maybe it even happens in you know it takes ten years, but you can start today. So true, especially if like focusing on what you want. And again, not letting the opinion of what others think like interfere and really figuring out what is it, what I want and mm -hmm. focusing on that. Yeah, because we are very often driven by, especially with social media, you know, like people who are insecure and they see all these people having all these fun, this fun and they, they because it's so, you know, the people don't put stuff that uh, that doesn't make they have them happy. A lot of it is a lie. You know, people mm. lie a lot on social media. So don't believe everything that you see and don't compare, never compare yourself to other people because you have no idea what goes on in their lives. That's one of the biggest learnings for me as well. Yeah. Just does not make sense to compare yourself to others. It's just, yeah, does not make sense. No. What would you say, um, obviously, if you want to share a little bit about that, Is there some things where you would say that was a failure? I learned from that. If you could turn time around, you would have done differently. Is there some things like that? Yeah, you know, this is such a, this question comes up a lot and I I, I use it too. And at, at the end of the day, I think, no, you become the person you are because of what happened. If everything was, for example, for me, if everything had been so easy, I wouldn't be who I am now. We need things. I think it's about using those obstacles as stepping stones. That's how, that's a nice way to put it. I haven't mm. invented it. I read it somewhere, but, you know, because everything that you, that stops you, you have a choice. There is your choice. You can say, oh, I'm giving up. I can't do that. These things for me are a challenge. You know, the more people tell me that it's not possible, the more driven I am to actually do it because anything is really possible. Now, failure, lots of failure, you know, like, like my, my shops. I mean, as I said, but mm. and again, my kids always had beautiful toys. They always had beautiful uh, gifts to bring to birthday parties. I also learned that I will never want to have a shop in my life again. So... There is your learning, mm. but no, I don't know. I don't think I would do anything different. Maybe I would be a little bit more, I would be even more generous to myself. You know, in my twenties, I was a bit more driven, focused on, on saving a bit more. And many times when I was in a beautiful place, maybe I didn't do this extra trip because I didn't want to spend any more money. I think being generous to yourself within reason is important. So that could be a nice reminder for people who are just starting out to take the extra trip and yeah, mm -hmm. be almost like, yeah, take care of saving, take care of investments, but don't miss out on life while doing it because no. we don't know if we are still here next, like tomorrow. So. Exactly. Nobody knows. Yeah. Yeah. And yeah, because uh, you already mentioned it, what 
what are things that challenge you? It could be people, it could be a personal character trait. What are things yeah, that, that challenge you? That challenge me or that annoy me? Mm, whatever. Can be both. both. <laughs> Always What interesting. Uh, like people, people who, and that is, you, you see, we, we say that what annoys you in other people is usually something that you have to process within yourself, isn't it? So, um, you know, sometimes people annoy me who are, who don't know what they want, you know, who are, <laughs> because, and I don't think that is I something feel you. I, I know what I want. So maybe that's not always true that you process uh, that there's something inside of you. What challenges me, what challenges me now at this point of my life is my age. Because, you know, you get to the point where you really, I'm very well. I turned 60 last year and I'm very fit. You've seen me kayaking. So yeah, you overtook me. <laughs> But, you know, it's not going to always be like that. And it's not so easy when you've been really, really active. And I have, I'm, I'm having a very active life and I'm hoping to have a very active life for many, many more years. But I think this is my biggest fear because when you are older, for example, When you stop moving, I know that when you stop moving, that's that's it. You know, people who start sitting on the sofa only are the people who really my my I have a personal trainer around. She always says motion is lotion. So it's important to move. But, you know, like one of the fears is if you ever fall and you break something, which is more likely when you're older, you wouldn't be able to move for a while. So that would stop you from be, being so active. So my challenge at this point in my life is to really stay healthy and stay well. And to do anything possible, to do all my sports and healthy in my mind as well, because it's not just about your body. Your mind is a muscle as well that needs to be trained all the time. So um, that's my challenge. Of course, you know, for somebody who is young, there are different challenges. And I think that's another thing. It's important to find your individual challenge and, a challenge and work on it. And at the same time, it's super nice because I think you're actually... And that's super nice. The my my oldest uh, podcast interview guest until now, which is amazing because you're really a very inspirational person. Like what you have achieved, and as you said, like the health you enjoy now, and what you keep doing in your age. Other people prepare for getting out of you know out of their jobs and sitting at home basically. So it's very very interesting and helpful to to get the the elder voices in here as well. Because so many people, when they're in their 30s, usually people here around them, late, late 20s, 30s, 40s, you still have all, like physical, it's still all there and you forget about it to, to actually take, start taking care of it. Because, uh, you know, as you said, you have, like I have parents which are 80 or who are 80 and 82 and they go for a walk every freaking day. And if I skip it for a day, okay, you know, but the older you get, it's, it is, it is important And I think you have to, again, train your mind early for that. It's not something when you're 70 and then, oh, shit, doesn't work anymore. Mm -hmm. Then it's kind of late. You know, we start with that beforehand. So it's a beautiful reminder that money, all of that is nothing without, without health. Oh, totally. And, you know, things, something can happen to you at any age. This is an, another thing that we take for granted. As long as everything is fine, we take it for granted. And I'm a very big um, gratitude freak. I, I believe that the feeling of gratitude is the best feeling that you can have. And also, you know, that, that your brain releases serotonin when you are grateful, which is a happiness hormone. Appreciate, you know, when you have, there is this thing, when you have a, a roof over your head and food in your fridge and running water and electricity and a little money in your bank account, you are part of 8% of the world, Eight. 
But we take all these things for granted. And here in Cyprus, funny enough, sometimes when we have no water, you know, when we have droughts and they, they, they close the water for a while, how many times do you open the tap? And then you realize that there is no water because you always take it for granted. And I think mindfulness is not some new age BS. Mindfulness is very important to always be mindful of how you eat, what you think, what you do. And it doesn't have to be, you know, this voodoo, whatever. I'm a very practical person. I'm not you know, this so very spiritual, but I believe in energy. I believe that whatever you give out comes back. I know that when you have low energy thoughts, when you have these feelings of of, of jealousy or anger, or you're on a low vibration and you attract low vibrations. I don't even know what, why, why did I start talking about this? (laughs) (laughs) I was so fascinated listening to you that it's also like, oh, whatever, just keep going. (laughs) So, you know, and no, we were saying it doesn't have really much to do with age. Of course, the thing is that when you get older, you start realizing that your time is limited. When you are younger, your time may be limited as well, but you don't know it. So mindfulness and understanding that you never, ever know what's going to happen to you is important and appreciating. And it doesn't have to be all the time. You know, I understand that people who are 25, you know, of course you live and you have fun and you do crazy, crazy things. But um, when you get to a certain age that you start realizing, yes, I'm grateful for everything I have, for everything I'm experiencing and and for my beauty. I have a beauty. I love my life. I have a very beautiful life. And I hope that I have a lot more to do because I have a lot of plans. And this also keeps you young and going. I, again, see this in my parents. Long plans. And yeah, that keeps you, that keeps you active in your mind. Desires. Mm-hmm. If there are desires want to be expressed, then there is a reason for you to, to, keep, to stay alive, to, to express them, so to say. When I was listening to you and you talking about your experience, your full life, your rich life and all of that, of course, and then into health. And of course, what came to my mind was that I'm like sitting across to, to a very inspirational woman. And I would like perhaps some more thoughts around being a woman and being entrepreneurial, even though you were employed in the beginning, but you were a free spirit. How was your experience Um Being a woman in a world where business also is still very much more dominated by men and also now being a speaker, being um, an author, being a renowned um, coach, all of that. How is your experience as a woman from from a feminine perspective, so to say, a female perspective? I've got a lot of experience with that through the Global Woman Club as well, because I'm the director here in Cyprus. Personally, I don't, I've never really had a bad experience because I'm a woman, maybe because I had to learn it the hard way, you know, because, because I had to fight when I was young. And basically, you know, I don't know if I'm I'm saying it, I didn't, I learned not to take any shit. So, um, but, but I know from experience and all the women that I work with, with, especially within the global woman community, that so many, one of the most important things for women is financial freedom, because so many women would do something different, or they wouldn't even be with their husbands anymore if they were financially free. And um, for a young woman who, you know, love is a beautiful thing, but it does wear off after a while. When you depend financially on somebody, when, when you get this, it becomes this power game and you have to beg for everything that you want to do. That isn't good. So my advice to every young woman, save money, you know, work, 
even if it's a little bit, you don't have to. It, it, no, I, I respect anybody who does anything. I respect somebody who wants to work full time, who is in a relationship and the work is shared and you can get help for your kids. That's another thing. There is no shame in not always being there. You know, there is some people will judge you whatever you do. People will judge you if you're home because you, you know, you don't want to do anything. People will judge you if you work all the time. So do whatever feels good, but save a little money and keep working on yourself. So you will have the opportunity when your kids are grown in case you don't work, that you can start something new. Be, be Always be financially free. And uh, it doesn't mean that you have to be, you know, you have to earn more than your husband, but be financially free and also be good to yourself. Look after yourself, you know, do what you like, have a massage, go on a girl's trip. So many things, because um, it's not that, you know, I don't, this is one thing that I'm, I'm the director of a global woman club, but I love men. I love working with men. And I worked a lot with men when I was translating for the police. Men are not bad. You know, it's not like this, this, this image that women's organization are, you know, it's, it's not a fight against each other. We are in this together. And um, when we are in this together, we can move mountains, but especially financial freedom and having something to do and not just do working for the family are important. Oh, I like that. I like that very much. And I think many, many people need to hear this. And since we are nearing the end um, of our interview time, I would just love some, some last thoughts by you. You obviously have gotten, uh, given us lots of nuggets of gold in all different, uh, on all different topics. Just something you want to share with the audience, something you want to, yeah, some last mindset tips, practical tips, whatever you want to share. I think one of the most important things in life is to love life. When you love life, life will love you back. And that's got to do with energy because when you give out good energy, good energy comes back. And, uh, you know, there's these few things that I already mentioned, never compare yourself to other people because you have no idea what goes on in their lives and always recognize opportunities. I don't know if we have another two minutes, I'm going to tell yeah. you a quick story about yes. opportunities because when I was, when my kids were relatively small still, I started working, somebody found me, I started working for the Cypriot police. And I used to go to the station to translate sometimes when they had somebody who spoke German or French or something. And this one night there was this uh, officer, this higher uh, officer who was checking around, walking around. And he saw me and he said to me, you know, I'm the president of the Cyprus Police Association and I go to a conference once or twice a year and I always take an interpreter with me. Would you be interested in that? And I um, always say yes. If, you always have to say yes. Because you can think about it afterwards. You're not signing anything, but just say yes. So I thought this guy is just flirting with me. This was, it was like, you know, what is it? 16, 17 years ago. I looked a lot different then. So, and uh, I thought um, he's never going to call me. And funny enough, about two weeks later, I got a call from his secretary and I, they, he asked me if I could go to Poland to a conference with him. And I thought, Jesus, what am I going to do now? I had never done this before. I had never translated Greek you know, like one to one, like, like, uh, so I thought, what am I going to do? The kids were small. They needed to be driven to school. And I called my husband and I said, what shall I do? And my husband said to me, you have to go because otherwise they're never going to call you again. This is why I love my husband, because that's when you get supported. And I did. And I went and I had a wonderful time. I had no idea what I was doing at the beginning. Nobody noticed. 
I met Lech Walesa, whoever knows who Lech Walesa is. He was, uh, he was the president of Poland and he was, uh, he's actually very operative in the fall of, uh, of the, of communism. I started going at the beginning once or twice a year. And at the end in, in between 2015 and 2018, I, that one of the Cypriot men became president of the European police association and we traveled every other week. So it was a fantastic experience going all over Europe. And if I had said no that night, I would have never experienced that. So say yes. That's my tip. Always say yes. And I love that. Thank you. Especially because you said you're not signing anything. Like start with yes. And then, as you said, you asked your husband, you know, like say yes and then see. Then the next step comes, basically. I love that. It's very freeing. Thank you. And I would say what I'm going to share in the show notes from you is obviously the podcast and the book you mentioned. How, what was the name again? Soul, Soul Kit. I have Soul a website Kit. called thesoulkit.com mm -hmm. because so I've got some other books. Some, yeah. some books are ebooks and I've got some courses as well. Yeah. And um, I can send it to you. Yes. So all of that will be in the show notes for you. Make sure to connect with Elizabeth. She's an amazing connector. And again... Say yes. <laughs> Always say yes. Say no to drugs. <laughs> yeah, okay. <laughs> There are a little, yeah, sometimes you can say no. No, no, of yes. course. But I think like last thought on that, I was discussing that with a friend recently, the say yes, say no. Like we had such an important topic in society in general, you know, like especially for women to say no, but we forgot about the power of saying yes too. So I think it's amazing that you just brought this in because we were so focused on like saying no, having boundaries that we totally forgot about, but that we always need both. So saying yes is, can be the key to whatever for so many people, new opportunities basically. Yeah. Because when you say no, you close all doors. Yeah. You know, that's what I taught that my kids, when you want something, all you have to do is ask. You have a 50% chance of a yes. If you don't ask, you have a 100% chance for a no. So true. Mm -hmm. oh, Elizabeth, thank you so much for your time. And I'm looking forward when we do the next sea kayaking trip or whatever comes up here on Cyprus. <laughs> Absolutely. I went twice this year. I had never kayaked before. I love it. And let's go again soon. Yeah, let's do that. Yes. And thank thank you. you so much for having me as your guest. It was a pleasure. It was a pleasure indeed. Did you like this podcast episode? Then please share it with people who you know could benefit from it. Also, I would be super grateful if you could leave me a five-star rating and review on iTunes. It would mean such a lot to me. If you want to stay connected with me, please join my Telegram channel for daily mini reminders around mindset, business growth, investing and living life to the fullest. Or message me directly on Instagram or LinkedIn. You will find all the links in the show notes. Thank you for listening and until the next episode. Much love, Lydia.